Hey, liberty loving people, and welcome to episode 40, the big 4 0 of the Scottish Liberty Podcast. Who'd have thunk it? It's with me, Tom Laird, and my exciting co host, Anthony Samarov. Well, yeah, 40, 40 episodes yeah. in, man. You know, they say life begins at 40. 40. Nah, I never thought I'd never thought I'd make it to 40 actually in life, <laughs> never mind in the podcast. But uh, yeah, thanks for being with us again. Uh, we're going to make it a quick show, I think, this week. We'll see how long, how long we can actually... Uh, we're not very good at keeping things concise at the best of times, so true. we might just think it's going to be a short show. So, Mr. Samaroff... What we got? What's the first thing on the agenda this week? It's a pretty good one. Some of you might be chuckling at the irony. Government will force student unions, that's at universities, to stop no-platforming right-wing speakers. Now, even though the news story says specifically right-wing speakers, they're just being banned from no-platforming speakers. I mean... Because they, uh, they know platforms of Men Greer, they yeah, know platform Peter Tatchell, right. they know platformed uh, Julie Bindle. Right. Okay, and I'm not a big fan of Julie Bindle whatsoever. It's funny that they never know platform. Julie Bindle is a feminist who said that men should be put in concentration camps. Uh, now, there'd be nice concentration camps. Uh, you know, you'd get quad bikes and stuff, and you'd a lot of sort of guy, there'd be beer and things. So there'd be, there'd be nice concentration. Your family would be allowed to visit, but nevertheless, men should be put in concentration camps. That's not what she got no platform But that's not for. what she got no plat- platform for. She got no platform for uh, questioning uh, gender identity politics and saying that, you know, just because... I think it was similar to what Jermaine Greer said, which was just because you put on a dress and lop off your dick, it doesn't make you a woman. Right. And I think Julie Bindle came from the same angle as that. And people were horrified right. that anybody could say yeah. this. Well, and, uh, and it's interesting no because uh, Milo actually stood up for Julie Bindle. And they, they, uh, her, so two people as different from one another, chalk and cheese, but yeah. kind of similar in the fact that they're both very outspoken. He said that Julie Bindle was taking the piss the same way that he takes the piss. And that was okay. Sorry, to Americans. Do, do they say taking the piss in America? Yes, I think they do now. Okay. I think they've caught it from us. Right, taking okay. the piss, yeah. That's all right. uh, I'm sure you understand what we mean from the I think the, the only confusion is when we say, I was pissed. All right. And you go, I was pissed last night. And they go, well, what were you pissed about? And I go, no, I was just pissed. Yeah, but yeah. what at? And they go, no, I was just, I, I drank a lot of beer and I drank a lot of whiskey. Therefore, I was pissed. Right? Or as we say in Scotland, pissed. But, uh, yeah, so when they say, oh, I was pissed, damn it, man, I was pissed, they kind of mean that they were pissed off. Right. So, but I think they're, they're, they're starting to catch up with us. So, it, you'll, you can let us know American viewers. Apologies, to those of you who tuned in, it's from the Tom Woods show, I know you're not used to this kind of <laughs> profanity. We're profane men. Uh, <laughs> we'll try yeah. and keep it to a bare minimum we for will. you. And, uh, Thanks yeah, for joining us. If we say we're pissed, we mean drunk, not not angry. Yeah. We, 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 so, anyway. Although it's perfectly possible to be pissed and pissed. Indeed. Okay. Uh, yeah. uh, the, the drunken rage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the rage. The rage. So, in vino, in vino I'm very interested in this story because I personally think it's hilarious. I know there's some uh, libertarians that might say, "Well, what's the government got the right to stop universities from to to force universities yeah. to have free speech on campus?" Well, he but, who pays the piper calls the tune, and the government has been paying a lot of the pipers. 
And I think that it's quite interesting because basically you're getting the government to force the universities to do what they're meant to do anyway, which is present um, diversity of ideas and help people to think and draw their own conclusions. Whereas there's some report that was saying something like only 5% of university professors identify as conservative. Okay. Well, here's a question. Yeah, well, exactly. This is the first uh, so, the first question I would ask anybody who's a, a, a university lecturer uh, or, or anything connected with university who was banging on about diversity right. is that old Thomas Sowell thing. Uh, was it Thomas Sowell? No, it was Walter E. Williams that said, right. you know, next time you hear a university lecturer going about diversity, ask them how many conservatives are a member of their faculty. Their faculty. <laughs> We're going to get no. The Scottish Liberty Podcast has been no platformed. So. We're using the term faggotly. Right. If. 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 The uh, Milo Yiannopoulos does get the rectorship. I'm the, sorry, the, 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 the votes on. And is it? He okay. only got like about 530 votes. The winner got a couple of thousand. Right, so it's not going to be a faggot. Unfortunately, no. Okay, so, okay, fair do. I'm on an anti-climax. I expect there to be some, some more controversy around I know there wasn't it. even anything in the media or anything. For those of you who don't know, Milo Yiannopoulos, the famous homosexual... Uh, <laughs> I think he's I think he's for more than just being a homosexual. I was only saying that to be uh, to be controversial. Okay. Uh, the fa- famous homosexual conservative uh, Jewish Catholic, Catholic everything. Yeah. Uh, Breitbart reporter um, w- you've all heard of, I'm sure, yeah. was actually running for the rector of my alma mater. See, I know big words. Uh, Glasgow University. It's not alma mater. Okay, I don't know big words. Uh, And uh, he failed to be elected rector. And so did Jordan Peterson. And so did Jordan Peterson. Did he get more votes than Jordan Peterson? Do we know that? I think they got about the same number. I think. Anyway, it's it's just good that these guys even got nominated. But, uh, But what I would say is that, okay, here's a question What's the point of university these days? Why, why do we even need universities? Yeah. Because, like, actually, this is this is my idea for counter-economics. Okay. Like, we need to get some libertarians together and they need to get create an online university and go and interview, like, the most famous lecturers in each field in the social sciences and get their, cor- and get their courses up online. And then say it was, like, a gender studies class. Mm. You get like the famous feminists to do one lecture series, and then you get uh, Warren Farrell to do another lecture series, and you put them up together, and people would get more one-to-one attention with professors because you'd have online seminars and offer such a better education online mm. that you basically make the university system obsolete and undermine the case for government money for universities because you go well you can study at this university for three thousand dollars a year instead of twenty five thousand dollars a year and get a better education and basically would be right in saying that universities haven't really moved on since the time of alfred the great i mean the whole point of the university was that that's where the books were yeah well basically uh, books used to be very expensive, so yeah. you just built the university around the library. Whereas now, I mean, we are thanks to the lovely uh, capitalism that um, that you go to university to learn is terrible. Um, uh, most people have got two libraries: one in their house and one on a 
device, one on a Kindle yeah, or, a, yeah. or a computer. I mean, I never really used to read e-books until I got my Kindle because I didn't really like looking at them on the screen mm. of a computer. I still but, don't. I prefer a book. Yeah, yeah. I, I love a book. I love books, but I also love the convenience of being able to carry 40 around at one time. Mm. So the government's going to force... Um, student unions to stop no platforming speakers uh, many are, uh, institutions are under fire for allowing censorship, bans and language policing to flourish in recent years and they will be compelled to stand up for free speech can you compel someone well, to, you compel them to, to stand up speak freely? I don't know what, how, how, do they, how do they plan to compel someone to do it are they gonna? Right, I mean, if you don't take them to court or whatever, if okay, don't. or dissolve their student union or something. I yeah, government documents to counter the culture of censorship and so-called safe spaces. The anti-censorship website Spiked compiled a free speech ranking, the most recent edition of which found that ninety-four percent of campuses censor free speech in some ways. With a shocking, by the way. 64% giving a red ranking, which was the lowest possible ranking. So over half of the universities in the UK were actually tipped to be very badly um, faring in terms of free speech. Luke Nash-Jones, director of the People's Charter Foundation, which runs the campaign NUS, N-U-S-K, whatever that means, to protect against National Union of Students' no-platforming policy, says, in the spirit of John Stuart Mill's search for truth justification, we support organised peaceful debate rather than censorship, challenging rather than shutting down ideas, though naturally caveated by the non-aggression principle in UK law. Did he have to mention John Stuart Mill there just to show that he knows like some I yeah, think, he, yeah, I think he was just jerking off to be honest with you. Yeah. Look, I'm on to you. I'm fucking on to you. Right. Student societies such as anti-abortion, Strathclyde, Life Action were shut down for contravening safe space policies, while feminists Julie Bindle and Milo Yiannopoulos were banned from debating each other. What? By Manchester University Student Union. An Iranian dissident was prevented from speaking at Warwick University Student Union because of her opposition to Sharia law. Wow. You can My be banned Sharia by... law... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, the union at, at Queen Mary University of London sparked protests by banning tabloid newspapers. Have you heard also, I heard that the Dalai Lama, that controversial speaker, mm. was banned from uh, an appearance because it might have uh, basically offended some Chinese students. That's true. Look it up. Okay. Let, that back might... to Luke. What but does... right, I mean, what do you... Right. What... Everybody, I'm assuming everybody is offended by everything at some point. I, I mean, find you offensive. Yeah, I find well, you. I do try to, to offend you as much as possible. No, can. not what you say, just your mere just existence. My, just my mere existence. Okay, I, well, I'm, I'm glad of that. Okay. Um, and I excel, if I do say so myself. Uh, I find lots of things offensive. I find Beyonce offensive. I find Kylie Minogue offensive. I find Ed Sheeran incredibly offensive. Um... But should I have the right to be able to go to university and not be triggered by Ed Sheeran or Beyonce or anything like that that I personally or, um, find? Kylie Minogue. Kylie Minogue. You should be so lucky. <laughs> 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 
uh, our American audience won't get that probably <laughs> well I don't know if, you, if you're familiar with Kylie Minogue she did do once a track called I Should Be So Lucky 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 and it was god awful it was a typical 80s if, if, if there's any track really symbolised 80s pop music I Should Be So Lucky I'm sure it was in the 80s someone will fact check us yep. so it's a shame that universities have to f- be forced to do what universities are meant to do which is represent a multiplicity of views so that people can be challenged and come to correct. In fact, I'm not even sure if I'm, you know, people, I'm increasingly sceptical of people's ability to change their minds. Really? Through exposure to facts. Well, sometimes, well, I don't know. This is going to make some people sad because I was on the Tom Woods show talking about how to change people's minds. And I do totally believe that the, um, that the, Approaches that I that I suggest in my article, how to change someone's mind, which you can find on Waking Times, uh, definitely increase your chances okay. of being able to do that. But having speakers at universities, um, it's kind of a one way thing, you know. You kind of need to get down in the the trenches with someone and like well especially i mean if you're talking about debate debates are structured in such a way where it's adversarial right and it's not really it's who produces producing the best argument doesn't necessarily make you right right that's true i guess just because you're better at arguing um so i don't know that the the debate structure is possibly the best way to um to, to get to the truth Right. Necessarily. Yeah, and also because you don't have... I mean, debates must have been an institution long before we had lovely things like the internet where you could actually fact-check things right away. Yeah. Actually, uh, I I, I bat back and forwards with this. Like, when I'm in a good mood, I feel very optimistic about liberty, and when I feel in a bad mood, I feel feel a bit um, of dread. But actually, I think that people are becoming more rational. Uh, I just think? Uh, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Because That's when we were kids, if someone told you a fact, that was kind of precious because you had no way of looking it up and checking it out. You 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 couldn't just go to the internet and um, check it. Mm-hmm. You'd have to go to a library or something like that. Whereas now, you know, people will get into debates in the bar and someone will go, well, I'll tell you what, we'll just Google it and find out who's right. Yeah. Instead of just inst- so, because people actually have the ability to check, I but think that's assuming as time that the, goes that, on, yeah, as time goes on, that's assuming that your source on Google is correct. I mean, if it was that simple, I mean, we were at a, we were at the no to name person right. uh, talk right. on Monday, um, and for those of you in America who don't don't know what. No, named person is not necessarily America anywhere outside of Scotland really uh, named person or the named person act is a law that's trying to be brought in by the and it looks as if it will come in by about 2018 it, it was already rejected by the Supreme Court in the UK um, and so what they've done is they've rearranged it a bit changed the language made it more expensive spent more time on it uh, and they have watered it down somewhat. They watered it down a little bit, but anyway, they're going to they've repackaged it and they're going to trot it out again. But basically, the Name Person Act is where the state is going to provide a guardian for every single child born in Scotland from now until the rest of eternity. So if you have if you're a parent, you have a you have a you've 
you, know, you have a child, the state will automatically provide a named person, a guardian who will be responsible for every aspect of that child's welfare and well-being. Whether you want it or not, you know, it's, it's really not a, a matter of choice. You have that. So you're guilty from the get-go. You're, you're under suspicion of being a bad parent from the moment that your child is born. So it's state interference in the family, at the, you know, on an insidious level. So we were at the talk right. uh, about this and everybody was saying that, you know, things are changing. We're putting pressure on the government and hopefully the government's going to back down on this. I don't know that they will. Um, but we heard statements there. For example, uh, about poverty, right. you know, and about inequality. Now, the, we hear these same things regurgitated all the time, and or, or if you look at something like the wage gap, right? Anybody with a a, a laptop or a, a phone can check a five-minute Google search. Will blow that out the water, but they right. don't do it and they don't use it. Yeah, to a large okay, to a large degree, um, that's still the case. I think the tide is turning on stuff like the wage gap. I mean, just in the last couple of years, the swell of the. I mean, I've watched it because I I kind of got into some uh, men's issues stuff before it was really a move. Well, the movement was there, but before it swelled up, like mm. I I was really impressed by Warren Farrell. I don't know if any of you listening have heard of Warren Farrell before. Uh, he wrote this book called The Myth of Male Power and another book called... Seminal, a classic, actually. Yeah, yeah. and another one called uh, Why Men Are the Way They Are. And he has a very p particularly unique perspective. Women can't hear what men don't say. Before he wrote these books on men's issues and um, he was a prominent feminist and that gives him a unique take because in the 70s he was part of the the women's movement where you yeah. can say he was a cuckle doodle dude he was a cuckle doodle dude cuckle doodle dude cuckle doodle dude but he thought he was the, he, he, I, I reckon there was more justification I think he did yeah. a lot of good for on both for both women and for men he started 300 women's groups and 300 oh, men's right. groups and um, his understanding of the the full picture is second to none because he's been on both sides but especially because he started 300 men's groups and 300 women's groups he could listen to the issues that men and women had over and over again and see the trends the, the problems that they tend to have the challenges they tended to face and he wrote about the challenges that women faced in his first book called the liberated man and the challenges that men faced and yeah. my, why men are the way they are. Now, when I first heard of him, he kind of blew my mind. So I, I really needed to assimilate everything he had to say. But these, it was very, very French. And this is only like maybe three or four years ago. Yeah. Whereas now, that movement has kind of really exploded. In fact, uh, it's a bit frustrating at times to see these um, movements like... Uh, the men's movement or the alt-right or various things blow up faster than libertarianism has blown up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm hoping that they will be gateway drugs. I'm hoping that when the trend for alt-right dies down, um, many of them will have migrated and become full-blown libertarians. Became a bit more reasonable. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess, so, I mean, so... I mean, I, 
You you're skeptical that people are becoming more rational. Basically, I think people are generally becoming more. I mean, like main main body and spirit books have never been so popular. You go into Waterstones or uh, what's the other um, big bookstore in, in Edinburgh, Blackwells, right. uh, and the main body spirit or main bo- you know main bollocks and shite as I used to call it. Right, the MBS <laughs> section of these stores is huge and it's getting bigger all the time. And it's like Do everything from angels to you know. The 80s? Don't you believe in angels? Absolutely. Don't you believe in angels? Uh, uh, I'm sorry to disagree with uh, the you know Bjorn Alves and Benny Anderson. Like you know, uh, no, I, I I kind of do, but I don't believe that they're uh, you know they're they're kind of like visiting people every two seconds. You know, uh, you know every other books Can about you some channel an angel for us. I don't think I could channel it, uh, other than your good self. You know. Oh, that's nice. I've got one that If I could channel an angel, I'd channel one of Charlie's angels. I have a message from... (laughs) Which one of Charlie's angels would you channel? I'm a bit... I I was a bit young for that show. Yeah, but you remember the movie, though. I didn't watch it. Didn't you? It was Cameron Diaz in it, the remake. She possibly was. I'm sure that... I'm sure that... uh, No, what's her face? Drew Barrymore was one of them. Oh. Hubba, hubba. Hubba, hubba. Drew Barrymore. I do have a soft spot I would love to conjure Drew Barrymore if I could conjure up an angel. I'm sure she's not an angel. Probably a bit of a hell's angel. Wasn't she into all the drugs and stuff like that when she was younger? She probably probably had a hard time. Well, I would give her a hard time. Yeah. So... (laughs) Indeed. Okay. Should we... Moving swiftly along. The elephant... The elephant? the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room. Okay, so we're, we're moving on from the universities. Yeah, look, guys, you see what happens. You know, if you don't get your shit together, somebody else will sort it out for you. And the government comes in and forces you to do that, which you just should have been doing in the first place. I like know? it because the basically the social justice warriors own sword has been wielded against them yes they love running been, they love running to mummy and daddy the government yeah, to tell been, on people they've been so hoist on their own petard or if you prefer fucked with their own cock <laughs> i don't prefer we're never going to get okay. into public access radio with this kind of language okay <laughs> right okay um I, I'm just going to read this one i don't know why we're doing this one but uh well might as well because it's short probably uh cambodia I uh, don't know if you had any of you out there in Cambodia. Uh, rare elephant electrocuted. Well, it's uh, going to be rare now. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, it's probably going to be well done now, uh, or at least medium. Uh, it's been electrocuted. So a park ranger says an endangered wild elephant has died. Uh, well, it's not endangered anymore, is it? It's, like it's pretty much been through the danger, and now it's just kind of like gone. A park ranger says an endangered wild elephant has died after an electric pole fell and electrocuted it. Sorry, it's funny. Noop Tet, a ranger. He's the kind of... You see, you see what I'm working with here? The kind of co-host who finds it hilarious when a magnificent animal is... is Roasted, <laughs> electrocuted to death. Right? I don't even know if it did. They get electrocuted? Did they just get knocked out? Anyway, Noop Tet, a ranger at Wildlife Alliance, said the animal was electrocuted in the jungle near Cardamom National Park. Cambodia is home to 450. 449. <laughs> Very good. 449 <laughs> wild elephants. Okay, uh, 449 of which will be absolutely livid now. Um, Suana Gauntlet Chief Executive All oh right, Suana Gauntlet, Chief Executive of Wildlife Alliance said about about two hundred live in Cardamom National Park. Okay, uh, why did we read that, that story? Because you just thought it was funny. That <laughs> elephant got electrocuted. <laughs> and I'm the vegetarian in the in the show. 
Are you the kind of guy? Would you if you to fight a grizzly bear or a panda? Which would it be? The old Harry Hill. I don't uh, think conundrum. that I have much chance of winning against either of them. Although I could give a panda a black eye. It's already got one. How would you know? Does a panda's? But if you punch a panda in the eye, does it go white? If anybody so, knows, if you've ever punched a panda in the eye, just be careful let us know. not to electrocute any elephants. Yeah. So yeah, sadly the elephant has gone. It's no longer the elephant in the room, or even the <laughs> elephant in the jungle. Uh, I wonder what an elephant's funeral would look like. Does it go to the elephant's graveyard? That's a myth, isn't it? The elephant's graveyard. The elephants go back and visit. What's the elephant's graveyard? Oh, it's a place where elephants go to die, apparently. And uh, so a lot of a lot of, a lot of white hunters were desperate to find this place because obviously it was going to be like just chock full of ivory. So they, they thought it was this huge, it was a mythical place where elephants went to die. But I have heard that elephants will do things like go and visit the remains of relatives or the place that relatives die. Uh, I think like that's that. possibly a myth I, as well. I don't think it's a myth. I Thank think you. you should look it up. You believe in angels, don't you? <laughs> um, Guardian angels? Uh, Cosmic ordering? Um, I'm a I'm a heathen. I'm an unbeliever. Yeah, but you believe. I'm in just an irreligious heretic. But you're sp- you're spiritual, yeah. Spiritual, yeah. Spiritual, yeah. Spiritual, spiritual know, yeah, a, is the fastest growing religion in the spiritual, world. Spiritual, yeah. Spiritual, yeah. Meaning, I kind of believe in something, but as long as it doesn't tell me what to do, yeah. Yeah, totes. <laughs> as long as there aren't any rules or or just like rules, I can be self righteous about. Yeah. Spiritual. spiritual. Do you know yeah. anyone who is spiritual? Yeah. You know yeah? yeah. If, if so, report to the Scottish Liberty Podcast. I'm not a believer, but I'm spiritual. Yeah. Like, uh, what that does make the sign of spiritual? Like, yeah. I don't believe in organised religion, but like, I, I'm spiritual. Oh, I'm spiritual. <laughs> well, fair enough. You can believe whatever okay. you want. Yeah, Beliefs go for are it. odd. Absolutely, go for and, it. And uh, most people have them. Yeah. So. What so we're going to debunk. We're going to debunk we something. We're going to debunk something. Yeah. Are you were going to tell us all about uh, assimilation by the state? Assimilation so, by the state. Yeah, this is kind of fresh off the press. Because um, it's my, your conjecture if I get mill, this right. In my brain mill. It's your conjecture if I get this right that the state creates nothing really. Not really. No. Uh, it, all it does is assimilate that which is already in existence. Right, okay. okay. So here's my new conspiracy theory, and I, I, I'm really interested in hearing what people think about this, so please do leave comments on YouTube, or you can email us at scottishlibertypodcast at gmail.com and tell me what you think of this theory. Basically, if you look at the time when the state basically started taking over institutions, which it didn't previously like the education system, like the he- like healthcare, um, even establishing the welfare state. This was a, a period in time where humans were becoming far more wealthy than right. they'd ever been before. Okay. Uh, I, I, can't, I don't know the exact figures, but we were perhaps 10 times as wealthy as people were, um, you know, 200 years ago, probably more than that. So... What you had happening, say in Great Britain where we live, um, 95% of children had five to seven years of education before there was any mandatory education. So um, then the state steps in. So who was providing it? 
local uh, a lot of a lot of it was religious actually okay. churches and churches convent um, schools just people in their own living rooms mission you schools know. Yeah, a yeah. lot of it was religious, but not all of it was religious. People people would attend classes in small groups at, you know, the lady down the street's house, yeah. and they'd get tuition. And now, uh, I, I find this hard to believe, but I've heard, you can fact check me, 25% of people in the UK are functionally illiterate. In other words, they can read, but they can't read well enough to justify the term being a reader. Okay. So... That's the success of our mandatory education system. Now, what strikes me is it would be very, as probably a lot of people listening know, our education system was based on a system that was first tried in Prussia and it was deliberately created to create a class society with one class of education for most people where they just learn enough to work as a fa- in a factory and take orders and, you know, uh, another kind of education for administrators and another education for the ruling class. And those two groups would make up maybe 5%. And we we copied that education system here in the UK and over there in the US and pretty much everywhere. There's no reason why the best way to educate people would be to sit, down, sit a bunch of kids down and force them to do what they're told when they're told. Uh, in fact... I put out a video once called Anti-Empirical Education where I go through a bunch of evidence on how people best learn and how schools actually do the opposite. But the details aren't that important. What's important is that we've missed out on 150 years of market competition in education. Mm. And okay, the schools back then might not have been that great. Kids might not have been getting an amazing education but in 150 years pretty much everything under the sun would have been tried um, okay but let, well let's back okay. up a bit here okay, okay you said that we've missed out 150 years of, of market education there's of optimization of the education system but there is still alongside the state system that we have there's always been a private sector right but, but is that private sector, do they have to comply with the state? Yes, they're very limited in how much freedom they have. Okay. And what's more, the state, um, the state's intervention, the fact that people have to pay for the public schools, whether they send their kids to private school or not, means that private education is only available to the elite. In fact, that's what it's there for. That's the only reason why we have private schools, so that government officials and other people who are quite rich can send them can can send yeah. their their kids to get a better education. Well, hang on, but uh, but is that that very kind of uh, regimented educational style is that not even more prevalent in those kind of schools? So you would say that okay, then the, all the all the high achievers are going to schools where those systems are even you know even more rigid. That that's true in a sense, but they give those children the training that they need to become a lawyer or a doctor or a politician and and they give them the skills they need to succeed by the system's parameters maybe not by their own internal parameters it's not going to teach someone to be a great artist or philosopher more than likely um so 
but the thing is, it's not really about the education that's on the table. It's about a lack of trial and error, which leads to better products, like, you know, the better phone that you get every year. The fact is that the education system we have is not that different from how it was 150 years ago, hmm. even though every other facet of life has changed radically. So yeah. that's what... So, But here's the thing. It's not enough for the government to give people crappy public schools. They also have to make private schools very, very expensive because otherwise uh, working class people will just do what middle class people do, which is save up money and send, send their kids, kids to better schools. Yeah. And then if all of the poor people can send their kids to better schools, then that heavily undermines the basis of the yeah. state. Why should you even have a state if if people can see clearly that if they save up, they can send their kids to much better schools. And which is why all these unions oppose school choice in the USA. Well, I mean, that's not the reason why, but yeah. you have all these unions opposing school choice because that means that um, teachers have to pull up their socks and start doing a better job. Yeah. Well, it's interesting how the, the very same teachers who believe in testing pupils absolutely oh, yeah. vehemently oppose any kind of testing for teachers that's right and and the second thing that poor people will do if they have a good enough standard of living i would say is buy private health insurance which is why the government has to push up the price of health uh, private health care it's not enough that there's a million people on the waiting list at any one time for nhs hospital services they also have to intervene in the private provision of health care because again if poor people can if health care is affordable to everyone then that undermines the need for the state as well so if you look at what was happening in the uk i don't really know there's a great article by Roderick Long called How Government Solved the Healthcare Crisis. A lot of you might have read it, where he talks about how doctors in America were going on about how healthcare was too cheap. Yeah. So they went to the government to get the government to restrict, intervene, yeah. restrict the supply. And now you can see the effects. So is this stuff, is this assimilation by the state of already in existing uh, institutions in this country... Um, okay, lots of doctors would help poor people for free. Lots of trainee doctors would help poor people in the hospital. They do consultations for half the day and get paid for that. And for the half the day, they turn up to volunteer in hospitals for free. Now, people say, yeah, but there was also still people dying. There was, but that's because the whole society was far richer, sorry, far poorer yeah. than it is now. With today's resources, if you still had that system, it wouldn't be costly for people. Uh, you, you wouldn't have the case that people weren't being served. It's just because society was so poor back then. You already had, and you had friendly societies. This is the other thing. Out of 7 million labourers in the UK, uh, 6 million were already members of friendly societies. Yeah. Now... Um, when the welfare state started taking off, then people had to pay a tax here called national insurance, which is sort of similar to payroll tax in the U US and that the employer pays some of it 
and the worker pays some of it out of their wages, but actually the worker's paying all of it because yeah. it's all out of their wages. Um, now, people stopped being in friendly societies. The, the, Explain what a friendly society is for okay, those who maybe so don't know. Okay, instead so of, instead of... Um, it was basically a, something for mutual aid where people would all join together and... Uh, and it was they, voluntary. And it was voluntary. And you paid your dues... And they also raised money by, say, having a bar, having events on. So people would go for a social, yeah. for their social life. And that's how the friendly societies would raise money. And then if someone needed health care, they'd provide uh, funds for that. If someone lost their job, they'd provide unemployment benefits for them. And they'd help them find a new job. So it isn't just this, right, you're getting some unemployment benefit and you go off and find a job on your own. The friendly society would have an interest in helping them find a new job. Yeah. And they, you know, in these days, the and union there was unions and there was charities. And back then, unions didn't just agitate for the government to pass laws. Unions did things like if someone was out of work, they'd give them mutual aid and they did the, the, the union the labor unions did a lot um more diverse things they you know they, they'd help take care of their members whereas now it's seen as the government's job and that's what i mean by the government assimilates institutions that already exists and makes it worse and makes them worse but but sure i mean most people in the uk i'm not saying i'm one of them but most people in the uk would would argue that the government made the health system better? Uh, well, I mean, you can just go through the stats and see how many people die waiting for operations. It's easy believing that when you've yeah. not actually... Um, it, when you've not actually come in and been told that you have to wait three or four months only to have to find that your, your um, condition has escalated. The main yeah. thing is... They've repressed the cost of healthcare falling because when the government subsidizes something, there's no price mechanism, there's no price competition, and there's no competition to offer a higher quality of service. So if uh, this always gets said, but if you look at laser eye, laser surgery, laser eye surgery and plastic surgery that have been relatively in the free market, the cost of them has plummeted. Whereas if you look at other services. Um, like that are within the official healthcare system, the the price of those services hasn't gone down at all. Okay. So, so in fact, it's gone up. And you would think, and people say, oh well, the healthcare takes lots of technology. Well, laptops take lots of technology, and they get better, but the price goes down, not up. So. The fact that it's high tech is not an excuse. But I think the price of medicines comes into things a lot, and when you start looking at patents and yes, yeah, so that's yeah. also government intervention because patents are granted by the government. But how do I was saying is it's not enough that the government um, gives crappy healthcare and crappy schools. They also have to artificially inflate the price of private healthcare and private schools. Otherwise, people will just step out from under the umbrella of the state and get their services from outside of the state if it's cheap, if it's efficient, and if it's affordable. Um, so the the state does, and the thing is about the friendly the government replacing the friendly societies with the welfare state is that that was actually community that was built from the ground up. 
now it's assumed that the government is meant to do those things. So there is no, like we, we hear, oh, we live in an atomized society. Everyone's so individualistic. People don't know their neighbors anymore. Well, why would they? They don't need to know their neighbors. They've got the government to be their mum and dad instead. And this is often blamed on capitalism. But actually, I would argue that it's a lot to do with the fact that the state has fulfilled all the functions that community used to be for. So, so it's destroyed community, it's assimilated community and made it worse. And we know things about how inefficiently, first of all, the government spends welfare money very inefficiently and a lot of it is lost in bureaucracy. Charities do a lot better because they have to compete for donations and they don't just need to give people handouts. Uh, community organisations and charities can actually train people, they can give them skills, they can create local community businesses and cooperatives, they can actually do stuff because they've got information on the ground. The government has to look from a central point and just allocate funds. So even if they are well-intentioned, they're not going to be able to do as good a job as local institutions. And I think if you take my conspiracy theory seriously, um, then you also need to look at the ways that government pushes up the cost of living. For example, um, house prices went up by over 4,000% between like um, 1971 and uh, 2011. Okay. So, or maybe it was 1961. So, so the price of accommodations high. What if everyone had um, to spend half as much money on a rent or a mortgage? Well, they'd have more money to send their kids to private school and to get health insurance. What would... Um, so, I don't know. And the, the constant printing of money... I recently put an article up on the Scottish Libertarians website. Okay. Um, you, people, you can go to scottishlibertarians.com. I've got an article called What Libertarianism Can Do for the Poor, where I go through some of the ways that the government's artificially inflated the cost of living. Now, I might just be a conspiracy theorist, but it seems to me like there's been a deliberate attempt to both increase the costs of living and um, increase the price of services that okay. are the most important to people, like healthcare, like education, um, like pr provision of security, like all everything that the state does becomes more expensive every year, whereas most innovations in the free market become cheaper every year. Okay. If you have anything to say on that, let us know. If you can spot anywhere where the free market's greatly better than the than the, the government service that you yourself are receiving let us know about that as well i think we've got one further thing to our do. new feature our new feature we've got a new feature on the scottish so liberty podcast many of you are aware of the term getting bandied out around the internet cuck what cuck. the cuck what the cuck well like I mean, it's getting you. It's kind of just getting thrown about willy nilly now by everybody who don't actually know what the the roots of the word. But the but roots, usually, the yeah, roots yeah. of the of the word is actually cuckold, and a cuckold was a man uh, who was he was cuckolded by a, a woman who sort of kept him around for convenience. 
while she was while she was having, having sex, sex with, with, other with other men, and, and usually not a, with his uh, with a his cuckoo who who leaves his eggs in the nest of another bird, so another bird has to bring up its children. Right. Okay. So so maybe she this woman could get pregnant to another boyfriend, and uh, this man would be left to raise to, her. To raise, yeah. But but here's Raise the thing, memory. it's not now. It's also a sexual fetish, and some guys are really into seeing. Well, then you're not really. Memory. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I suppose you're not a cuckold in the true sense of the no, word. Then, but because, but, but, but that's because that's what you get off. Yeah, on. which you know. Uh, oh, well, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. fine. Um, but when it comes to the uh, internet, yeah, <laughs> it's usually what is people who basically white knight or. Um, it's worse than white knight. No, it's not really white knight. It's, it's more mangina. It's more. It's more skirt kissing. Okay. It's like when a so guy. It's, 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 for me, it's when a guy is so desperately insecure that he is still. He still needs female approval. You know, right. mummy says you're a good boy. You're mummy's best boy. Sure, I'm the best boy, mummy. I'm not like all the other bad boys, am I? Not right. So, and so it's that desperation that some men have for for female approval. So and we're going to do lots of this on the internet. There's a lot of this on the internet. There's, there's a lot of, and there's a lot of actors, you know, coming out in favour of feminism. I think at one point we had uh, we had uh, politicians. We had Nick Clegg. Uh, who was a social democrat uh, politician, social democrat, liberal democrat politician in the UK. Uh, he was deputy prime minister at one point. And you had Ed Miliband, who were wearing these t-shirts that said, this is what a feminist looks like. Okay, so that's kind of cocky behaviour. It's like, why do you need to do that? Do you think women actually even need you? To, to, uh, there's a kind of double standard because what you're saying is, you know, the, the poor dears, unless men get involved and fight their corner for them, they're not going to be able to do it themselves. But it's 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 really it really is desperate, you know, uh, and I can't stand it. So uh, our new feature is our new feature is called Cuckle Doodle Dude. Okay, and uh, this week's cuckle doodle dude is a guy called uh, Ian Critchley. He's probably a good guy, but you know, sorry, Ian, you're getting it because we were struggling to find anybody this week. Um, so he's he's reviewed a book in the Sunday the Sunday Times um, culture section of the Sunday Times newspaper. I'm holding that up for those of you watching it on YouTube, but if you can't, you'll be able to hear it. That that believe me, that is the Sunday Times culture section from uh, last Sunday. For those of you who are yeah. listening in iTunes. Yeah, so as you mentioned, and uh, the title of the book that he's reviewing is called "Testosterone Rex," and the subtitle is "Unmaking the Myths of Our Gendered Minds" by Cordelia Fine. Okay, so this is anybody called Cordelia. Is. I bet Cordelia didn't go to a state comprehensive no. school. Anyway. So here's the thing: is this yeah. more of this idea that men and women are basically the same, apart from some? Uh, well, this is features? really it's regurgitating. Uh, I mean, okay, let me read you. It says John Gray's 1992 bestseller, "Men Are from Mars, Women Are from Venus." Claimed that the sexes are biologically and psychologically so different that they struggle to understand each other. In her latest book, Cordelia Fine, a professor of the history and philosophy of science at Melbourne University, who knew that Melbourne had a university, sees this as an example of outmoded thinking, 
along with the idea that men are hardwired for aggression and risk-taking and women for nurturing, using the latest research she... Well, doesn't say where the research comes from, but she says, using the latest research, she argues that males and females are both more complicated and more alike than Gray's gender division suggests. Take promiscuity, for example. Historically, fine writes, it has been believed that men are evolutionarily disposed to have multiple partners and that this is due in part to their higher levels of hormone testosterone. Yet she shows that female promiscuity is abundant across the animal kingdom. Well, do you know what? It's not abundant in the animal kingdom of men and women in Edinburgh. Let me assure you of that. Right, okay. It's still men that are... I don't know how anybody... Well, I believe that actually on this point, the research is just that women are much better at not getting caught Oh no, that's such part- bullshit. Partners. That no, that is such bullshit. No. That women are right. Women, well, men leave men leave texts. Oh, sorry, I'm not. I'm talking about. I'm not talking about promiscuity. I'm talking. Yeah. I'm talking about uh, infidelity. Right. Okay, that's women slightly different. Slightly, no, I don't think they are. I so, think they are. And, and, and no, infidelity is that a word? I think so. Okay. Uh, I don't think that women as and they and they when they do cheat they tend to cheat for different reasons. Are you are you you're such a cuck? You're the cuck of little dude of the week. <laughs> Why? Because I say women cheat stand, for different reasons. Because you're standing up for. Oh I'm no! Not, oh I'm no, not, the, I'm the not standing up for it. I'm not standing up for it. I'm just saying they cheat for different reasons. I didn't yeah, they, say it was justified. They both cheat for ego gratification. Whatever, right? Okay, Let's but it's in a it. different manifestation, right? So anyway, anyway, she 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 takes female promiscuity in the animal kingdom and tries to apply it to to it. No, there, there's been certain uh, isolated uh, sort of uh, anthropological groups, sort of in Polynesia and so forth, right. apparently, apparently where the men and women are equally promiscuous. Right. Now that generally goes together with abundance okay. and abundance okay. of food and so okay. forth. Right. Okay. So, so but I, I think in the West thing. generally, I don't think it's been right. Okay, how long now has the sexual liberation of women been right, what since the 60s? Right. right. And the birth pills been Yeah, there? for a while there was a free love thing, but then I think women on realized some they level, were getting a raw deal. It wasn't in their interests. Yeah. So, as soon as the the sexual revolution backtracked as quickly as it went forwards. Right. I think that, you know, I do think that having sex does make people pair bond, but maybe women quicker than men, which is why women have got a reason to be less promiscuous and to um, sort of keep it back a little bit earlier. Okay. Um, But anyway, here's the crux. For fine, such studies have wider implications, which they surely do. Um, and this is the whole thing. We're, 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 you know, for me, I get it. You know, when when feminists object, they cannot let a gender difference toll through the door. They cannot allow it because if there is, if there is any area where men might be different to women, then they might be better at women at different at certain things, and they can't have that. So that you know, there just cannot be gender differences. So anyway. So these are wider implications. If men and women are more alike than previously thought, then gender stereotypical thinking in areas of society such as workplace discrimination would have no basis in fact and should be discarded, leading to a more equitable world. I thought the it battle of the discarded. sexes would no longer exist. 
Fine leavens the hard science. Well, he hasn't actually mentioned any hard science yet. None. With personal anecdote. Well, it's kind of all... Including the story of her former Maserati-owning boyfriend. Yeah, and maybe she... Would she have dated him if he was... He didn't have a Maserati. Yeah, probably not. And her entertaining and thoughtful book is a valuable addition to the discussion about gender. Well, Ian Critchley, you are our cuckold-doodle-dude for this week. You know, for that. Absolutely... No, you know, what could you say? No, no, there's got no basis in reality. Yeah, no right? critique. No okay. cri- no critique of that uh, book whatsoever. So here's yeah. the thing, right? There's not, uh, me- if you look, men and women, there's many differences between men and women, which they're not huge. Like if you take the whole list of traits, in each trait, there's a slight difference between men and women. But, on the whole, those little differences add up to make quite a big difference. It's really quite ridiculous to lampoon uh, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, when it's like the best-selling self-help book of all time, and numerous thousands of, of couples attribute it to saving their marriage, right? So, um, people still... Is that true? It's absolutely true. People still turn up to John Gray's seminars today, 25 years later. Have you read Straw Dogs, which is one of his as well? I've not. Okay. Is it good? Yeah, it's worth reading. I definitely yeah. recommend Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. It's maybe not enough on its own to save your relationship, but it certainly gives you a few tools which I think are actually helpful yeah. in the real world. So talking about tools that aren't helpful, uh, if you know any cuckadoodle dudes or if you right. if you've got any ideas for any future cuckle doodle dude, uh, let us know. Uh, what I'd us really like you to do is look keep your eyes peeled on Facebook, right? And if you see someone that's desperately white knighting, like yeah. beyond all reasonableness, take a screenshot <laughs> and email it to Scottish Liberty Podcast at gmail.com and uh, we'll all have a laugh about the cuck. We might not be able to name them if they're not famous, but we might have to bleach it out. But we can have a laugh if you see some um if you see some people who are just like desperately being cuckolds online, please take a screenshot of the conversation and send it to Scottish Liberty Podcast at gmail.com and they might be featured on the for uh, for the week, month, year, whatever. But I think by the end of the year, we'll have a, a, a vast array of cuckoldoodle dudes that we can choose from, and uh, we'll, we'll 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 give an award probably to the cuckoldoodle dude of the year at the end of the year. So anyway, uh, I think that's all we've got. Well, I don't. It's all I can be bothered with, to be quite honest with you. I hope sorry, you've guys. enjoyed it. I think we're back on form. Be libertarians. Yeah, don't be a lefty or a righty.